Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Malted Muse podcast. Well, having done an episode recently about comedy and whiskey and throwing in two bonus episodes where I'm talking with people mainly about comedy, I think it's definitely time to get back to talking more directly about whiskey. And this episode is going to be very much primarily focused on the subject of cooling whiskey, putting it on ice. And something else I've had to put on ice, so to speak, for a little while, inasmuch as I've had to to delay it slightly, is the selling of the home calling, the whiskey, the first whiskey under the Malted Muse label. Now, it's only going to be be delayed by uh, a short period, just for a few days, basically what has happened um, and it's not all my fault it's a mixture of things coming together although part of it was me being a little bit premature and thinking that things were at a state of being more ready than they actually were but what I've had to do is stop selling in fact I couldn't even start selling the um, the website wasn't processing credit card payments so there was no risk to people losing any money with it but the orders um, wouldn't have gone through so that meant I've not been able to sell it. It's a problem that should not take too long to sort out and I will be telling everybody both on Twitter, on Facebook, on my website and also I will mention it on this podcast when that problem is resolved and that whiskey is available for sale. The other way I will let people know is through the other podcast, the Whiskey Selection Podcast. Now that podcast series is going to be purely to do with whiskey that I'm selling under the own label, the Morted Muse label. So there won't be so many episodes. It will definitely not be a weekly series of episodes coming from that podcast. So if you're interested in wanting to know about whiskey that I'm selling, then I would advise subscribing for that podcast feed, that episode, the Whiskey Selection Podcast, and then automatically you should get informed when there's any news about that. So apologies for the delay in that. It is being sorted out, and keep your ears and your eyes open. I'll let you know. (coughs) Now, the other thing I want to say is in the last episode, talked about whiskey and comedy, and that has encouraged one of the listeners, Simon, to actually contact me with a whiskey joke. And don't worry, everybody, I'm not going to tell the whiskey joke. It's his joke, not mine. I'll let him tell it. That's if he's brave enough to do it. He's shown me the joke I must confess I actually find it quite funny Um, I don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea and Simon has got his own website so many whiskies I've put a link up on my website to it already I've spoken about it already let's see if he's brave enough to put it on his website it's a knock knock joke I'm going to say no more than that but thank you for sending it, Simon. But Simon's not the only person who sent me emails. Somebody else who's done that is Isabel Wood, and it's about some very interesting news. I'm going to read this out to you now. At 7 p.m. GMT, on Thursday, the 24th of November, 2011, the UK's number one Scotch malt whiskey, Glenfiddich, the Belvinnie and Sainsbury's will join forces to broadcast a live one-hour webcast whiskey tasting. Throughout the broadcast, eight Scotch malt whiskies will be nosed and tasted and topics such as distillation and maturation discussed. The event will be aired live from the award-winning Lenfiddich Distillery via http distillerytasting.co.uk Now, I will be putting a link for that on my website. And if you want to find any of these links, go to the episode guide. That's where you'll find them. The expert panel consists of whiskey writer and broadcaster Eddie Ludlow, the Belvini Global Ambassador Sam Simmons, Glenfiddich UK Ambassador 
Jamie Milne, Sainsbury's malt whiskey buyer Steve Smith and malt enthusiast and Sainsbury's shopper Richard Berry. Panel chair Eddie Ludlow comments, This is an incredibly exciting project, bringing together, I believe, for the first time, the distiller, retailer and consumer. Well, that looks like it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Talking about eight whiskies, I wonder what ones they're going to be. I can tell you that as well. It's going to be the Glenfiddich 12-year-old, 15-year-old and 18-year-old. The Glenfiddich Rich Oak, the Belvinnie Doublewood and the Belvinnie Signature. Sainsbury's Taste the Difference, Isla Scotch Malt Whiskey and Sainsbury's Taste the Difference, Highland Scotch Malt Whiskey. Wow. So they're going to try to get through that lot in an hour? Good luck to them. I can remember doing the Twitter tasting with Belvinnie recently with the Ton 1401. And what a... Well, I have to say a wonderful stress. It was really enjoyable. But, my life, there's some pressure there as well. And that was with, well, we'll say two whiskies because it's the Tun 1401 and it's also one of the casks samples that I tasted from the 10 casks that went into it. But to have that many whiskies in an hour, God, that's going to be some doing. And it's really exciting to see that. I hope to to be online to watch that. Um, I can't promise it because there's so many other things going on with me at the moment. Um, But that looks really good. Anyway, I've spoken about the home calling. I've mentioned Simon's joke. I've talked about this this, um, web tasting. I think it's time to get on with the rest of this episode. You know, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's so easy to say, so natural to ask for. For some people, it's almost like a reflex action. Scotch on the rocks. It is a classic combination that is not only a drink order or a serving suggestion. It's a statement. As soon as you say, scotch on the rocks you get that sense of status of of success and strangely of fashion it sounds confident and contemporary even though generations have had it however in some circles the mere suggestion of it brings scorn and disapproval with at least one leading whiskey expert getting forceful and indicating that personal injury may follow. See, my personal approach is one of caution. I am aware that reducing the temperature can reduce the nose and the taste of a whiskey. And if I've just spent a fair amount of money on a handcrafted whiskey, I don't want to reduce anything apart from maybe the time in between finishing the bottle and getting another one. I must confess, however, that there are some whiskies, usually American ones, and some circumstances where a bit of ice enhances the experience. I am the same with water. It's not my preference to add water, but there are whiskies that come alive. The serpent gets truly awoken up by the experience. It's changed for the better. Maybe, just maybe, this could be the case with temperature. Maybe cooling does close it down, but maybe some whiskies need a little bit of taming. And maybe it is not as simple as that. Maybe there is more to it than just making it cold. The classic image that comes to my mind is ice out of the ice tray in the freezer put into orange squash when I was a child. That's what I think of when I think of ice. And that is not what we want for whiskey. Firstly, we don't want ice cubes that have been sat for months on end in a freezer. Secondly, we don't want ice that has absorbed the smells of other freezer foods. And we certainly do not want 
as I once had the ice that was scooped up from a fish counter. And we don't want half-melted ice from a bag of ice. And I don't even want frozen plastic stars or animal shapes. In fact, is it possible to avoid ice altogether? Well, yes. Now, I spoke to Jim O'Brien from Sipping Stones recently about the product that they've got in America and will soon be bringing over to UK. So, Jim, it's Jim O'Brien, I believe, and you're from a company called Sipping Stones? Uh, Yes. Uh, Sipping Stones is one of the brands that we've developed. Uh, Also, Jim, thanks for having me on your show here. Um, We have a few stores here in Connecticut and uh, in the States, and we develop Sipping Stones as one of our products, and uh, we're really uh, happy and excited about it. But tell me a little bit about Sipping Stones. Let's keep this simple. What is it? What's it made from? What do you use it for? Sipping Stones are whiskey or other spirit chilling rocks. They are a set of Sipping Stones comes with nine finely crafted soapstone cubes. Uh, Now put these cubes in your freezer for a few hours and uh, you can put them in your beverage at uh, at the end of a long day's work and uh, they'll be able to chill your beverage just a little bit without you know the diluting effects of putting ice in it right i see now is there why soapstone is that a specific reason for it being soapstone well soapstone is uh, made out of talc and it's all natural and because of just the the uh, chemical composition it is non-reactant it's non-porous so it doesn't react with any uh, liquid that you could put it in, and it will also not impart any flavor or taste onto your beverage. Right. So it doesn't impart any flavor or, or taste from the stone itself. Does it absorb flavors from other other drinks that it's been used? Uh, no. If you um, if you wash the sipping stones at the end of each use, um, it will you know it won't absorb any of the residue. Or flavor from a from a drink, so you're good as long as you um, wash your stones in between use. Okay. Now, one of the concerns I would have about using stones would be um, scratching the glass in any way. The idea of putting stones into a glass is is that a risk or? Well, um, as long as you're not shaking your glass too furiously, I think you'll you'll be okay. That's the soapstone is a it's a high grade min- mineral. Um, there are other uh, chilling rocks out there that use granite, which is a bit of a more coarse material. Mm-hmm. Uh, soapstone, we find, is it's very well crafted, and if used correctly, it will leave no scratches on any of your glassware. Trust me, I use these, <laughs> I use these a, a lot, and uh, so far, all my glassware is scratch-free. Right, okay, okay. Um, why cubes? I mean, if, you get, if you're working with stone then presumably you could do any shape with them. Why, why use cubes? Oh, well, we felt that cubes, well, already it's the design that people have in mind when they think of whiskey chilling rocks. It's also nice that if, if you have small cubes, kind of almost like ice cubes, you can use them in several different glasses. Um, we've thought about whiskey discs as well, which are uh, more of a round. They, they have a nice design, uh, mm. a rounder disc form. Uh, but we felt with cubes, they uh, they already look similar to ice, and they're it kind of lends itself to sharing in multiple drinks. Oh right, so it's more of an aesthetic thing. It's the, it's the look of it, but as you say, it lends itself to sharing, which is um, I mean that's quite an interesting thing, really. What about the chilling potential of it? Can it can it does it chill as, as well as ice does, or no it. it- it does not provide the, the exact same chill as ice, but we feel for a, for a lot of whiskeys, that's, it, it provides the right chill that you want. It should be about between, uh, around for Celsius, uh, about 10 degrees, um, which is just enough to bring it below room temperature, and uh, it's not cold enough to really shock the beverage 
or, or suppress any of the flavors, which is one of the side effects if you drop a few ice cubes into a nice whiskey that you're, you're, you're ruining, or you, you could be worried about ruining the, um, the taste or the character. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. And what about the look of it? I mean, do when people are using these things, does it actually look odd? For example, do people tend to make comments about it? Is it a conversation piece or? Oh, I think uh, it's very. It's one of the nicer things about it is, you know, if you go to a dinner party and you see someone, you know, drinking a nice tumbler of whiskey with uh, with stones in it. At first, it's it's a it's a bit off-putting, but once you learn that it's really you're drinking on the rocks, it's a it's a yeah. it's a nice. Um, conversation starter for yeah, sure literally on the rocks yeah yeah it's good um jim what what got you involved in this what you know what was the inspiration behind it for you well uh a few of us here have used um whiskey rocks before and um we thought that really um we could do it better uh we looked at it and we went to the drawing board and we came up with nice packaging and uh, we found some good suppliers that can do a variety of different colors. Uh, we have gray sipping stones. We have white sipping stones, which, as far as I know, are the only white whiskey rocks on the market. Uh, in 2012, we'll also be coming out with black uh, soapstone sipping stones. And, soapstone uh, sipping stones, right, okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some, some people are worried that soapstone doesn't generally come in black, but mm. it we we do have a good supplier for that and um we just felt that we could do the whiskey rocks uh, idea better and i think we did You're right so you've got into it through basically experience believing in the product and actually wanting to take it a step further sort of exactly we we had a product we loved and we wanted to make it our own brilliant lovely so if people want to get a hold of some of your product what's the best way for people to do that and what sort of cost are you thinking about? Well, uh, in the UK, uh, they will be available in January 2012 on Amazon.co.uk. Right. And uh, they'll be available there for shipping. Okay. And at the moment in America, Canada? Yep. They are available on Amazon.com and through our own retail stores here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, just in a few days now, we'll be launching SippingStones.com. Uh, which is just finishing up the the last few revisions, and they'll also be available per, through for purchase through that website. Okay. Any idea when that's going to be coming online? I I would guess within the next week, uh, okay, probably by right. the first week of November. Right. I'll just accent that a little bit then. So it's by the first week of November, um, because of course by the time this goes out. You know, it might not be next week. You might actually already be online. Um, in which case, I'll make certain I'll put a link of that up on the website that goes with this podcast. Oh, well, that would be much appreciated, Jim. Uh, yeah, it'd be great for other people to be able to find the website. What about the price of them, Jim? Oh, how, it, how does that compare with, with, you know, with buying a bag of ice, for example? Or Well, it is, I mean, it is a lot more than ice, but it... It's about seventeen dollars U.S. and about fifteen pounds um, in Great Britain when we bring it over in uh, 2012. Uh, but again, the thing to keep in mind is that it is reusable. I mean, yeah. if, if you if you buy this one pack, you know, it's it, you'll have them for every di dinner party you ever have. Yeah, and as you said earlier on, we talk about a pack. It's not just two cubes. Is it, is it nine cubes, did you say, that's in there? Yep, it's nine cubes, and it comes with a nice muslin bag. Uh, it says Sipping Stones on it. Uh, should be a nice gift item for anyone looking for the hard-to-get person. Um, yeah. That's just what I was thinking, actually. Jim, that's wonderful. Thank you ever so much for your time again. And Jim, and, thanks, uh, for, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, as I explored the idea of chilling whiskey, with this experience I have of doing that with American whiskies, I began to look around and was rather surprised at one of the distilleries 
that seem to be really promoting the idea of putting ice into their whiskey. Now the thing that surprised me about it is that it's a distillery that I'd never have thought about putting ice into their whiskey. This is a, a whiskey that I'd associated with warmth and flavour, full flavour, not trying to reduce it in any way. Now, it's also a distillery that in many ways I, I've come to trust. It's a distillery that has got a big reputation, a distillery of good standing. So I was left thinking to myself, well, if they're doing it, if they're doing something here with ice, and not just a little thing with ice, then maybe I need to listen to what they're saying. And so I did. I contacted Andy Gemmell from the Macallan. Andy, lovely to talk to you. Um, now I'm going to confess, I do put ice in whiskey um, myself occasionally. There's some whiskies that seem to almost need this, but normally I think find those to be the American-styled whiskies. Yeah. I'd be interested to know what your views about ice in whiskey are. Of course. I mean, I, I think you may be right. The American-style whiskies, especially the ones that maybe have some rye in it, etc., maybe need a little bit of that water just to um, balance out, if you like. But uh, for me... The, the new generation of whisky drinkers and especially single malt drinkers are more open to adding ice to their whisky. Now again, they look upon it as not as dulling down the flavours, but they're looking at it as a process of almost like adding the water, so they're kind of adding dilution as well through this and making it a little bit more accessible possibly as well. So I'd be an advocate for that if the whisky's right, as you say. Right. So what do you say to those people who, who argue you should never put ice in whiskey? Um, I think if you look at the if you look at the single malts, there's such a huge um, range there. So to say as a, a sweeping statement that you can't add any ice to any sort of single malt is is um, ridiculous. Really, you know, some need that. You know, and again. The, the the big thing for me is if it's actually introducing new people to drinking single malt by by adding ice, if it makes them enjoy it a bit more, then who are we to say that's wrong? Mm. You know, they might get to a stage as well where they don't add ice to it and they maybe just want to appreciate it more with just a splash of water, that's fine. But if it's introducing people to the our category of single malt into the Macallan range and et cetera, et cetera, then I, I don't see who we can be to say that that's wrong. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. The only the, one the problem I have with it myself, what I'm, I'm trying to understand, is that Macallan is a whisky that certainly in the past, unless I unless I've got it completely wrong, which I don't think I have, but in, it, it's a whisky that's got a strong association with sherry cask maturation. Yeah. Now, sherry cask maturation, I find, usually gives a fruity, rounded, warming whisky. Yeah. How does that respond to ice? It actually responds fine, and again, if we're going to get into details of it, it depends what kind of ice we're talking about. So, if you go to Japan, for example, and you're getting a, car a carved ice ball, you know, made in front of you, that's not going to dilute too much, so you're not adding a huge amount of dilution. Yes, you're um, you're chilling the drink down, uh, and some might say taking some of the flavour out of it, but. Actually, if you look at if you look at Macallan, if you look at the fine oak range versus the original with the sherry kind of casks, then if the sherry cask kind of original drinkers of Macallan, they usually won't do that at all. Whereas the new generation of the fine oak drinkers are more than happy to be add nice to it. So I suppose it just depends what they're looking for, mm. you know. And the fine oak, the difference being, fine oak's got a bit of, of bourbon cask in it, or yeah, it's, it's it's a bourbon cask, so you've got a lighter. Um, if, if lighter's the right word, you've got a lighter style of single malt there because of the the American oak casks. Yeah. Now you mentioned that, you know going over to Japan and watching people do these carved ice balls. We can't all afford to go to Japan. Yes, very true. Yes. Um, but I think there is another way of getting hold of ice balls. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a few ways. I remember uh, the kind of long story is that I remember going across there maybe nearly 10 years ago to, to Tokyo 
actually happens the most and I remember seeing the bartender create me this sphere of, the cricket ball size sphere of ice with his hands and moulding it and and it was just an incredible um, feat but you're right we can't afford all to go across it and actually I can't imagine sitting in the horseshoe in Glasgow and getting an ice ball carved for me by yeah. hand in there and waiting that long so the, the, the McAllen have actually they've got a machine that comes from the Far East that is called it's a ice ball McAllen machine but it's called a Tazan and it's an incredible machine it doesn't actually plug in it works it's copper and you put a large chunk of ice inside this and it, it, it itself heats and it creates a perfect sphere of ice for you as well with your uh, McAllen right now is that something that people would have in their kitchens or is yeah, that more is, is at the moment it's in the bars it's in a quite expensive bit of kit but it's in the it's in a lot of top end luxury um, accounts for us at the moment with um, in the UK and actually I'm just back from um, Madrid there and it was quite a few bars in Madrid being used as well actually sits on the bar top and it's um, as I say copper so it's got a nice bit of standout and it's, it's for consumers for the punters for the people that come into your bar it's a it's a nice show piece as well to see it being created. So how does this work? Why is it then that ice balls seem to be better than ice cubes? Uh, again, it's to do with surface area. If we get into the kind of technicalities of it, the, you know, the, the bigger the, the block of ice, the less it's going to dilute. So when you're um, creating a cocktail or a, a drink with Macallan or just even having a Macallan over ice, mm. then there's less dilution. So if I was to put, say, three ice cubes into Macallan, there's less surface area in there, so they're going to dilute a bit quicker as well, whereas a large sphere of ice um, doesn't dilute as quick, so you're chilling down the drink without sure. the additional dilution as well, which is taking flavour away, if you like. I suppose also, thinking on top of my head here, with, with cubes, you've got the edges of the cube where the actual ice itself is going to be thinner anyway, whereas with a ball you don't have those edges. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, for me... I mean, that is a big part, but actually, if you were to go down to the brass tacks of it, it's a lot of it to do with show as well, a lot of it's to do with the way it actually looks, and it looks phenomenal when you've got a large whiskey glass with a sphere of ice in it, um, and you're having a Callan poured over that, there's a huge theatre thing with it as well, you know. Yeah, which I suppose that is part of the experience of drinking, isn't it? it it's that change of what, how you treat a drink in one circumstance to another. Exactly, yeah. because... It's got to, a drink, whether it's a straight Macallan, whether it's a fancy coffee, whatever it is, it's got to attack all the senses as well. So you're talking about, you know, yeah, of course, taste, smell, but visually, it's got to attract as well. So the, the, the things like the ice ball machine are nice to it. Even sensory-wise, the noise that the ice makes when you're, you know, you can imagine sitting there and it's, you're sitting there with the ice with the Macallan, it's, it, everything's got to attack the senses. So... Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's part of it as well, is the kind of whole sensory attack, if you feel like, the ice noise, the smell, the, the everything about it. Mm. But the, that is chilling without too much dilution. What, what are your views on these stones that you can get now that you put into whiskey? Oh yeah, I've seen these, in, I actually came across these in Italy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I came across them in Italy and... Yeah, they're okay. The kind of whiskey stones, they love chill it down without any dilution whatsoever. Again, it's it's not nice, but McAllen ice ball machine is for me the the ultimate one if you're going to do that. These things are nice, but again, it's quite gimmicky. I quite like the idea that the old Scots, that's the way we used to do it as well. We used to take pebbles from you know Scottish streams back years ago, and we used to stick them in our whiskey as well, and to chill it down and make it maybe a bit more accessible. But yeah, gimmicky might be the right word maybe for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What, just off the top of my head again, what about the other end of the spectrum? What's, what's your views on actually warming whiskies? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, you need to remember that I'm lucky enough with my job that I get to travel the world, so if you go into a hot place, then, of course, the ice is something that, you know, maybe more that the consumers want. But, I mean, here in Scotland, I mean, when it comes into this time of year, the amount of requests I get for toddies for classic whiskey toddies for all, all these kind of drinks is huge so yeah there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all I, I mean we grew up I think you'll be the same Jim with um, your first introduction to whiskey was probably when we had a, a cold with a sore tooth and your, our grands made as a kind of warmed whiskey you know toddy kind of drink so for me that I think there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah. I mean this is going to sound terrible and the whiskey aficionados I hate it but 
there is nothing more lovely sometimes than a you know a, a whiskey with a, just a splash of um, pressed apple juice just warmed up a little bit. It's a gorgeous drink. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I think sometimes we can be a little bit over precious and forget that this actually is a drink to be enjoyed if we enjoy it. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's, different, there's different drinks for different occasions and different times of year, and you know. And I think with single malt as well. I mean, I I deal a lot with cocktails and mixed drinks, and the amount of times if I was to make a drink with a single malt whiskey, I feel as if there's a sniper on a roof somewhere ready to take me out at any given moment. You know, if I if I mess around with it, but. Yeah, there's different types of year, there's different types of drinkers. I'm not saying put it in a pineapple and shake it up, but little things you can do to enhance that base spirit, bring out some of the characters that you get from McAllen, there can't be anything wrong with that. Yeah. Andy, that's fantastic. Thank you ever so much. No problem it at all. It sort of helps clarify things and also demystify some of the things as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's it for me. We, we, don't get me wrong, we have a with single malt whiskey, we have a spirit that we should always be proud of. We have a spirit that, you know, around the world is looked at more as the most artisan, you know, spirit category there is. The way we create it, the time, the, you know, everything we put into it, the detail. But with that, as you say, it becomes, becomes mystery. And I think sometimes for new people that are getting into single malt whiskey, we have to sometimes demystify it to get them to understand it, yeah. you know, and to, and to introduce them into new ways of drinking it as well. Wonderful. Thank okay. you very much. Well, that was interesting, listening to somebody from the Macallan start talking about ice balls and the idea of chilling their whiskies. He had some very good points there, some things that are worth thinking about. But maybe then that is just the beginning. Chilling a whiskey with ice is one thing. But what about taking it a stage further? If we're going to chill our whiskey, well, what would happen if we chilled it even more? And luckily, I've managed to find somebody who knew a little bit about that as well. And what I found out from talking to this person revealed to me that putting ice in whiskey or chilling whiskey actually is more than just making it colder. There is other processes going on here. And maybe it is a different way of drinking it. Now the person that I spoke to about this was Derek Brown, who works for Famous Grouse and had dealings with coming up with this thing known as the Frozen Serve. Thank you ever so much for agreeing to talk to me. Um, the issue of the serving temperature of whiskey is one that's caused division amongst some whiskey lovers. Some choosing to add ice, others consider this to be a great sin. Yeah. What's your opinion on that issue? Well, I think I'll, put, I'll set my stall out at the beginning. I'm a fan of experimenting. Um, I, uh, I've been drinking whiskey for, for a number of years. Uh, um, and I've, in the last probably five or six years, I've uh, been involved in, in through my work, uh, um, experimenting with, with with whiskey. But when you consider that, um, as an aperitif, uh, you know, a, a probably a long drink, a long serve of of, uh, of whiskey would be my preferred choice. With uh, with food itself, I, I commonly have uh, whiskey served either neat or maybe with some water, um, and maybe as a, a digestive after dinner. Um, maybe need to with ice so that I think the message really is that um, it's uh, I think it's entirely appropriate um, and, and actually if uh, if you're interested in flavors and um, and textures of drinks then actually it's the right drink for the right occasion mm-hmm. and so it does vary quite a lot well talking about the right drink for the for the right occasion I'm aware that the famous grouse is now not just a product. It's a it's a range of products. Which of, of those range would you suggest best suits being served cold, and, and why is that? Well, I mean, the the way that our portfolio has been emerging anyway has been, been based on something that is a little bit different uh, in, in in how to view a, a whiskey portfolio of products, and we've been extending a family, if you like, um, across a range of flavours. 
uh, how does it match with the occasion? You know, whether there's food involved or whether it's, you know, um, uh, with a group of friends. Um, and uh, when it comes to um, ice um, or chilling down, I think it's, it's, first of all, it's all about the right kind of ice and the right amount of ice. And um, we'll probably come back to that. Um, but within our portfolio, uh, our, our family has emerged with, uh, I guess, what you would call um, conventional styles of whiskey, although, although they have different flavours uh, to match the famous grouse, um, the black grouse, and uh, even our, our latest addition, the naked grouse. Um, but I, I would probably point towards um, the snow grouse as the one that, uh, and I think the clue's in the name, yeah. that uh, the snow grouse is the one that lends itself to chilling down, and that's the one we've in fact been focusing on. Um, and there's a specific reason for that, and that, that it concept that you just brought up there then so what you're suggesting here is that by chilling the whiskey you then get a different sensation in the mouth both initially but also with the warming effect yeah. whilst it's in the mouth yeah well, uh, to, be, to be honest you know if again we, we studied this pretty carefully but you know the what they refer to as the olfactory experience which is that you basically um, taste 70 percent with your nose. Yeah. So it, on that assumption, if, if uh, the, the smell of whatever you're drinking is affecting the outcome of what you, you perceive that to be, uh, and the flavors, etc., um, quite a lot of people don't get past the smell. Um, they actually don't get to taste the flavors. Mm. So we found that by, by chilling it down, uh, it does a couple of things. One, one is that it, it reduces the aroma that comes off the, uh, the, the spirit, um, but also um, it kind of locks up the, the flavors um, that you can, and, and as you take uh, a sip of it, it has, as you, as you, as you say, you know, it has a chilling effect in, in, its, in its smoothness um, that people that might not necessarily want to drink spirits need. Um, have a, have a, a cold, cool drink, and it's a, it's a pleasing sensation. But then as the whiskey warms up, um, in the back of the mouth, uh, and particularly down the center of the tongue, that's where um, the sweet receptors are, and that's where we think that sweet um, we refer to it as gloopy because the, the consistency of the, um, uh, the whiskey actually goes a bit thicker. Um, and that, that whole sensation and texture and sweetness um, uh, works particularly well. Now, we're, we're not talking necessarily just about chilling whiskey here, are we? When you say about it thickening, going gloopy, this is more than just adding ice to it. It is. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the natural consequence, I think, of... of Celsius, which is, is quite cold, but I, I think we've actually probably got the name a bit 
Having said that, though, I mean, you said 18 degrees. Now, I might be wrong on this, and I might be risking my, my family's health, but I've got a sneaky feeling that 18 degrees is the temperature of my freezer. Domestic freezers may get down to, to about that, but uh, um, they, they will typically be, be somewhere between, uh, you know, minus 10 to minus 18, you're right. Um, and, and we chose that temperature because uh, you do get this lovely, silky, um, viscousy, gloopy, um, as we call it, uh, consistency. But it doesn't actually freeze. I mean, it, it, you know, because there is, there is clearly, uh, it's 40% alcohol, so that there is water um, available in, in the liquid, so it will freeze if you took it much further than that, but you really have to get to uh, commercial freezers to do that. So a freezer is, is ideal to take it down to the right temperature, yeah. So I find that is so interesting. I, I, I will confess in the past I've, I've kept the bottle of vodka in the freezer. Mm, mm. I've never thought about doing it with whiskey. Mm. And of course, the diff one of the differences with, with vodka is some, it's a drink that people tend to swallow very quickly, mm. um, whereas whiskey tends to be savoured more. Mm. That's really interesting. But, but I think if you, if you take, uh, I, I agree with that too. And, you know, and, and, and the snow guy says, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, but Snowgrass is, um, you know, is used, for example, in Sweden, where they, they have a, a toasting culture. Uh, they, they would normally use aquavit uh, as the liquid, not particularly vodka, I guess, but um, but they have a, a toasting culture where they do, you know, toast uh, one another during a meal, um, and, that, and that's a, 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 a reasonable and responsible way to consume uh, alcohol. However, um, we are finding that, uh, particularly for people who may not consider um, drinking scotch whiskey uh, that, that people actually like the, the, the process of sipping and savouring uh, the snow grouse when it's chilled down. We present it in a glass, it's not a shot glass but it's, it's a slim glass and it's designed in order to get the, the whiskey to channel down the middle of your tongue where your sweet receptors are um, and, and it, it keeps the, the, the whiskey colder for a bit longer because of, of the nature of the glass um, and that, that allows the, you know, the person um, drinking to, to, to sip it a little bit um, and then, and then uh, get the, the, this uh, sensation that we've been talking about. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, let's talk about the snowgrass a little bit more than if we may. Obviously, you're going to be very careful about getting the right grain spirit because, as you said, it, it's a grain whiskey. Is there more to it than that? I mean, is there filtration, for example, taking place? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, the, 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 the common held, um, well, not belief I was going to say, but the, the process that, that is normally referred to in filtration is chill filtering. Um, and uh, the, well, what that actually means is uh, filtering um, spirit or whiskey um, below ambient temperature. So really anything below 20 degrees C is, is considered, you know, normal room temperature is is considered to be uh, um, chill filtered. So, but the key here for us is that we uh, chill filter uh, the snow grouse at plus six degrees, which is actually quite warm for uh, a whiskey. And what's happening in that process is that the filter filtration process is to make the, well, after the whiskies have been blended together, it's uh, a process to, to make it bright and stable so that it will appear um, a, a clear, bright liquid on the on the shelf when, when someone goes to buy it, and that's what, you know, the consumer expects. Mm. Um, now, to uh, to do that, uh, most, most whiskies will be uh, chill filtered at minus something, minus, up to minus five degrees C, but we, uh, we, our intention and, and our rationale is that we will we will filter as warm as possible, if you like, um, plus six degrees in this case, which actually refers to how severe the filtration is, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to retain the flavor molecules that are created with the, uh, uh, the, the blending of the, the different uh, grain whiskies together and, and the flavors that it gets from the wood that it's matured in. So that for us, the critical element is to to chill filter, albeit, but uh, at a warmer temperature, which is around plus six. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's, that's interesting. I suppose one of the other things is if you actually chill filter at the same sort of temperature you're suggesting it's, it's served at, you're taking actually out some of those target elements. You know what I mean? For that, that's right, yeah. that temperature range. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I have to say, overall, we, we, we're really excited about this. We, we only launched the Snow Grouse. Uh, uh, it was actually exclusively into travel retail to, to, to test the product um, in 2008. Um, and uh, it's been so successful, we're now rolling it out to a range of domestic markets. But it, it's quite clear that there's an interest in, in this whole concept of, of serving whiskey cold. Um, and this is a, a unique way of doing it, um, in, in a sense. But it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's a chance. To, I think it's the first real commercial go, if you like, at uh, producing a blended uh, grain whiskey. Um, you know, there's one or two uh, single grain whiskies out there, which are all very small scale. Uh, and we see it as an opportunity to, to kind of get involved with consumers and give them, give them an option, you know, give yeah. them a, you know, a, another way to... Uh, to to approach Scotch whisky, it's a it's a beautifully sweet liquid, uh, very approachable and re- you know and pretty easy to drink in the sense that it it has this cool palate to it, um, obviously, but uh, also a sweetness to it which makes it very uh, very easy to drink. Yeah. Well, I'm all for giving consumers choice and and you know variety. I think that's absolutely wonderful. What what has been the overall response then from the from the whisky drinking world about about this sort of approach? Well, I, I think it pol- <laughs> interestingly, I think it polarizes opinion, which um, from my perspective, uh, from uh, being involved in managing the famous rice brand, um, is a good thing. You know, uh, I uh, I think if you're a die-hard uh, malt advocate, uh, you might say to yourself, hmm, that's not the way I normally drink my whiskey, and that, you know, it doesn't have the, the same sort of attributes that malt whiskies have. Um, but if you are uh, a consumer who says, well, you know, I actually don't know much about whiskey, and I would quite like to, to, to try different types, I think it's quite an interesting proposition. Uh, what we're finding is, uh, quite simply, that uh, people who, who do not normally consider scotch on their radar are finding this very, very uh, appealing. Hmm. Um, and and that's, you know, that's, a, that's a good thing. What about, I mean, we talked a little bit about chilling, well, we talked quite a bit, I suppose, about chilling whiskey. What about going the other way, heating whiskey up? What, what are your views on that? It is interesting. We, we as part of the experimentation process, we, uh, when we were working with uh, a trial in Sweden, um, interestingly, at a, a ski resort up in Salen, which is kind of midway up for... Uh, uh, up Sweden, um, the obvious uh, connection to the snow grouse um, as a cold drink uh, in a cold environment uh, with people dressed up for the winter and, and a bird on, on, the, on the front label that, it, that actually lives in the snow and, and gets an extra layer of white feathers to camouflage itself in the snow. The connections were very, were, were very obvious. Um, but as an experiment, we decided that we would try a coffee um, drink as well, so that we would add the snow grouse to um, a hot drink, um, and it, I have to say that was it was quite successful. It's not it's not a route that we we're going to major on. Um, uh, I, I think uh, the, the in that occasion the coffee um, probably acted too much of a, a strong flavour to uh, to compete with the delicate flavours of the. The, the snow grass. Um, but it is an interesting concept. Uh, we, we haven't, uh, we, we, we run uh, whiskey dinners at our, our brand home over at the famous grass experience in Creef, um, and we run a special whiskey dinner called Fascinur, um, and, that, and it's about experimenting with different ways of consuming the famous grass family, and um, we have tried on occasions to, to warm up the liquid, um, but really I think, for me, uh, ambient temperature is often a nice way to, to to drink whiskey, you can you can get flavours easily, um, but by the, the chilling rather than the warming, it seems to be a bit more of a uh, an acceptable way to do it. Yeah, that's lovely. So, can I ask you just one more question? You, we've been talking about the snow grouse, which, as you said, is is a, a grain whiskey. We most almost everybody that I ever talk to is aware of famous grouse. I think it's it's one of the, if not the most popular blends out there. Yes. Um, the black grouse I'm familiar with as well, that's been around for a little while now, the, the, which is your, your peated version of it. If that's I, right, yeah. Um, but you also mentioned earlier on the naked grouse. Yes. Tell me a little bit about the naked grouse, what makes that special? Well, the, the, the DNA of the famous grouse brand um, is based upon uh, the, the use of sherry 
goes back to, you know, 140 years back to our founding family, the Matthew Glogan sons of Perth Delicatessen, um, that they believed that using sherry casks was, it was of unpurchasable benefit to uh, the making of a blended scotch. So with the Naked Grouse, we decided to, uh, to, to give it some ultra-sherried sweetness um, by uh, maturing a blend similar to the famous grouse, but into uh, first-fill sherry casks, um, and giving that extra rich and sherried um, flavour. So it's really taking the, the DNA, if you like, of the, of the original blend of the famous grouse um, and dialing that up. Uh, to give us uh, an ultimate, you know, smooth whiskey. Um, and I think smoothness is, you know, shorthand for that, you, you could add in words like um, rich, you know, soft spices and and sweetness. Um, and that's exactly what the, the Naked Grouse delivers. Um, but the other, the other probably interesting element to it is, the, is its name. Um, and why is it naked? Um, and it's simply that we, we're just trying to communicate to to anyone really that uh, we believe in our whiskey and the flavour and the, the way in which we go about making it uh, more than we do about packaging right. so it's a bottle that's free of excessive packaging you know it has to have some labels for mandatories for fiscal marks and for um, uh, and some other legal um, information but we've tried to minimise that as, as much as possible and here's me thinking it was a serving suggestion <laughs> <laughs> and again, as you, 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 you'll have gathered, you know, we do like things that get people talking yeah. um, about uh, our whiskies, and uh, that's in, indeed what uh, one of the outcomes is. Yeah. 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 Derek, thank you ever so much for your time. No, not at all. That has been very informative, very interesting, and absolutely wonderful. Good. Um, and uh, well, thank you for taking an interest, and uh, in, in, in any anyone that's listening to, to the podcast, uh, I, I would, all I would add is, you know, keep experimenting, uh, keep trying, uh, you know, there's some fantastic whiskies out there, Famous Grouse family have, uh, are making an attempt to provide uh, a range of flavours through yeah. through the Famous Grouse, the Black Grouse, the Snow Grouse and Naked Grouse. Yeah, I think it's actually, that is the answer, isn't it? Keep experimenting and I, I think it's very easy to forget in in a world where people are wanting to preserve so many things and keep things traditional, which I, I can see the value of. But it is easy to forget sometimes that many of the wonderful things in the world, and whiskey itself is part of that, all began through people experimenting yeah. at the very yeah. beginning. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Know, it's a process we must keep doing. And, and you know, I have to say, you know, we, we, we have got uh, some excellent mixologists uh, in our business, um, and there's I meet bartenders all around the world who, who are um, advocating that. Um, and uh, it's really inspiring to go to, to other countries and, and see the different ways that people are actually consuming uh, Scotch whiskey. Mm. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's marvellous. Okay. All right, thank you very much, Derek. You're welcome. Good to speak to you. And you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Well, I found that also very interesting it's like somebody has opened my eyes to some possibilities whiskey is to do with experimentation the fact that whiskey is with us is because people a long time ago experimented the fact that we have whiskey that's matured in cask is because people experimented with that and all the other advancements that we're getting is because of experimentation. Whiskey is there to be enjoyed. And in many ways, if somebody is enjoying the drink with ice or even at a frozen temperature, then is there anything really wrong with that? And I think the answer that I've come to, and I'm rather surprised to hear myself say this, is actually no, there isn't anything wrong with that. The whiskey's there to be enjoyed, to be savoured. Freezing whiskey, chilling whiskey, using stones in whiskey, they're ways of making that experience more flexible, of adding more dimensions to it. The idea of having a drink that's cold and knocking it back really quickly so you can hardly taste it is something I struggle with. 
I don't really understand the point of that. That's just a vehicle to getting drunk. But that concept of taking a drink that is really cold and subdued so that when you put it into your mouth, it then begins that process of coming alive on the palate and responding to your palate in a different way. Well, that's different. You're still taking time. You're still savouring. You're still exploring. But you've found another way of doing it. Just another string to that bow. And is there anything wrong with that? Now, there is an argument, I think, that could go along the line of if somebody has developed a drink that's got so much flavour and texture and complexity and it's designed and made and reveals itself at room temperature and it's been really well aged and all these things why waste it by subduing it or by doing anything else with it or mixing it and I can understand that and I agree with that but the answer to that is for you as an individual to develop a process of getting to know the drink. Now, when I first started doing this podcast, way back in the early episodes, one of the things I suggested was a method of tasting. It's a method of tasting that I do. It's a very simple method of tasting, and it's nothing unusual or elaborate. It's the way that most people taste the whiskey. But the reason I do it is to try to understand the whiskey. And once I've understood the whiskey, I get some idea of what that whiskey's going to be good for. Whether it's a good social get-together whiskey, a contemplation whiskey, a whiskey to take with me if I'm off walking, or, you know, whether it's a whiskey that will mix well, and maybe also now, whether it's a whiskey that will go well with ice, whether it's a whiskey that can not only survive low temperature but more to the point can reveal new experiences for it or whether it's a whiskey that should be drunk at room temperature in the traditional way without ice without water because there are whiskies out there that are complex that are beautiful absolutely wonderful just the way they are and should be appreciated for that. But there are also whiskies, and maybe there will be more of them designed to take ice, to take a cooler temperature, and to reveal themselves on the palate, or to provide a vehicle of cool pleasure. And is that wrong? I have to say, I don't think that is wrong at all. It's getting down to the basic premise, the basic philosophy of what whiskey originally was. And that is a drink that is enjoyable and gives pleasure and helps us get through our lives, our day, to relieve stress. And if that means doing it cold, then so be it. That's okay. But in my heart, there's always going to be room. And most likely a preference. Nah, not most likely. There will always be a preference for straight, undiluted, room temperature whiskey. But now, there's also a little part of me that We'll find that time and that space and that whiskey that goes with the ice. It is just another string in that bow, just another way of enjoying a drink. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of the More to Muse podcast. If you haven't heard them already, there is a back catalogue of other episodes available on iTunes. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can do so. My email address is jim at themaltedmuse.com. There's the website, www.com 
themaltedmuse.com and there's also Twitter, Twitter at themaltedmuse. So thank you again for listening. I hope you'll listen next week and until then, thank you and goodbye. Thank you.